podcast listeners. Welcome to Young Adults Online. I'm glad to be in your ears. How fun is that? All right. Hey, uh, my name's Jeremy. No, yeah, Crispy's not here today because he is supposed to be on a road trip um, with his wonderful wife in his funny purple toaster car. If you've ever seen his funny car, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I sold it to him, which makes it even funnier because I owned it before him, which means we both like toaster cars. I don't know. So... Um, I'm honored to be with you guys. Uh, what a cool group you have here. Um, it's kind of cool to be able to see um, you guys come together and worship together. This like circle thing is super cool. Enjoy it. Very much enjoy being able to hear you sing too. That's really fun. Um, from what I get, you guys are in this series called Eyewitness, right? And we're talking about testimonies, which is beautiful because um, the, the coolest part about the start of the church, right? If we can think about all the way back to, there's this book called Acts, right? And, and John and then Acts, and there's the Gospels, and, and the Gospels, in the New Testament, the Gospels, that's all the red lettering in your Bible. The Gospels, what Jesus did here, Jesus did here, um, all the stories that he had to tell, all the parables that he had for us, and then Jesus leaves in Acts 2, and Acts shows up. And actually, if you look at Acts, and you find out what the early church did, the very beginning of churches, that's all they did, is told testimonies. They told testimonies about the things they've seen, about the people that they've heard from, about the letters that are starting to be written in these different churches, they didn't have formal settings. They didn't have massive churches. They didn't have a place where you could sit down and, and have pretty little lights and great projector screens and microphones. Instead, they sat together over what I'd like to think is a box of pizza, but they didn't really have it then. But they sat, sat together and just told testimonies. They told stories together. And that that was the very foundation of faith. That was the foundation of Christianity. Remember, before Jesus came, there were the Jews. And the Jews, they were just trying to follow God to the best of their ability. If we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus. We call it Levitical law. Before Jesus, the Jews had to follow Levitical law to know God. And so what happened is there's all these people who are trying to follow God, and they followed these laws to a T. Some of the laws were crazy. This one's weird, right? One of the laws is when a woman is on her cycle, she was kicked out of the town for up to 10 days. Crazy. What sense does that make? But then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, and he changes everything. And sometimes I forget, and I do this too, sometimes I forget that, yes, my faith of Christianity is enlightened by the Bible, for that is God's holy word. But my faith in Christianity is founded in Jesus. And the way that Jesus did things, he just created testimonies. He just walked with disciples. He had 12 special people that were around him for three years. And those 12 people are what started the modern church. They didn't have any special powers, special abilities. They didn't go to Bible school. They didn't go to seminary. They weren't professionally trained. They didn't read special books. They didn't know much. They were actually not known as smart people. But what they did do is they shared a testimony. They shared their stories. They shared the things that they heard, that they saw, that they see, experience, that happens to them. And that, that is where their faith grew. Because of all of a sudden, we start to see these crazy things happen. It says in Acts, if you get a chance to reread Acts, it says all the time, 
and the disciples or and the churches or and the new people and the believers gathered and signs and wonders happened. It didn't say, and we dove into the hermeneutical view of eschatology. Those aren't bad things. I think it's very important to study the word. But what happened is a group of people got together. They ate bread. They worshipped and they shared testimony and signs and wonders happened. That's the very essence of church. That's what we get to do here. We get to watch God do something awesome in the lives of ourselves and the people around us. And what I think is so important about testimony that we're losing in this culture and that we're losing in churches is instead we tend to think, oh, the guy on the stage, you know, he's the guy who knows the answer. He's going to give it to us and we'll just follow what he says and whatever he says goes. That's not how we see Jesus set up the church. Instead, the church is a group of people who says, I just want a front row seat to what God's doing, to what God's doing in my life, to what God's doing in Kendra's life, Lord Almighty, we know we need it, to what God's doing in Pete's, to what God's doing in the lives of people around me, that's the church. And that's where testimony matters. So it is so important that we start to understand our own testimony, that we drop our walls and be vulnerable together and say, here's a testimony I have. Your testimony is not necessarily your whole life story. A testimony could be a moment with God. And we need to be walking, not in fear, but boldly and be able to say, here's what I think God is telling me. Here's what I think God is doing. Here's what I'm learning from God right now. And that is our testimony. It just happened that during Bible times, they wrote that down. So a little about me. Um, like some of you, I don't know you all very well, but I know some of you, some of you are probably like this. I grew up in church. Anyone grow up in church like you've been here since you were, you know, Four days old, yeah, exactly, some of you, okay. All right, I will say, just total side note, okay, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes those of us who grew up in church, right, I remember talking to my friends who were unchristian and then came to Christ much later in life in their 20s, sometimes actually those of us who grew up in church, we have a disadvantage because, not because we don't know the gospel and we're not saved, but because sometimes we have to unlearn what VBS taught us. VBS isn't wrong, VeggieTales isn't wrong, I love me some Larry and Bob the tomato. But sometimes we need to go back and say, okay, that was a childlike faith. We should have a childlike faith, but it does not mean our God doesn't grow and that we don't grow next to God. So don't leave your faith in VBS. Instead, let's together grow. So some of us, sometimes we need to unlearn some things. Those of us who didn't grow up in church, though, we might have a different advantage because we get to come into faith, and it's mine. It's not my mom's. It's not my dad's, it's not my neighbor's, it's mine. And you chose Jesus Christ just as much as he chose you. But I grew up in church, and, and I was lucky to do it, and um, I was the kind of kid that was at church eight days a week, right? I had both my parents were pastors at a church, and I was there all the time, and I knew the ins and outs, and I knew the makeout corners when I was in middle school. I still, they're still there. I was there the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're still here. Oh, this is terrible. Don't they figure this out eventually, that kids make out over here. Um, and I grew up in church, and it wasn't until middle school. Right, middle school was so cool. I loved middle school. Um, that's a big lie. I hated middle school. Does anyone like middle school? Um, I loved the ministry I had at middle school, the, the youth group I got to go to. 
because, not because it was a cool band or their cool lights, because there was somebody there named Clayton. And Clayton was my small group leader. And Clayton, I mean, this guy is like, when he gets to heaven, Jesus has given him the Lamborghini and the Bugatti, and because he had to put up with us, uh, us middle schoolers who are just punks. Middle schoolers are just wonderful. Jesus loves them, even when I don't. I'm kidding. I love it. Um, I had this guy, Clayton, who was my small group leader. And Clayton, all he did, he didn't, he didn't know anything. I mean, he didn't go to Bible school. He didn't study the Bible. Instead, he showed up every week, sat with us, made dumb jokes, played dodgeball, drove us to get ice cream every once in a while, and he showed up. And he showed up. And he showed up. And for years, this continued. He followed me, and he showed up. And he continued to show up. And in high school, he showed up. In high school, when I was leaving the faith because I thought it was way more important and way more fun to sleep with my girlfriend, he called me and said, dude, where have you been? And he showed up. And he continued to show up. And to this day, actually, Clayton, I was just with him the other night because one of our friends that were in this small group since middle school got married. And he did the wedding. Clayton did the wedding. And this guy, Clayton, he, he isn't Jesus, but instead what he did for me. He shaped my testimony. He shaped my faith. He made me into a better man. Don't get me wrong. My parents did a great job trying to instill the foundations of God's word into my heart. But sometimes, especially when we're punk middle schoolers, I don't want to listen to mom. I don't want to listen to dad. I need somebody else to show up and to show up and to show up. And some of us, some of us might have a similar story. The reality is, though, more than likely, all of us want a Clayton. All of us want, we're begging for, we're searching for, we're looking for, we're constantly asking for, who is there? Who's there for me? Who's one step ahead of me in life that can watch for me, that can put me under their wing, that can hold my hand, that can say, I see that you've been gone for a while, let's get a cup of coffee. Who's there? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're all desperately seeking that. We're all desperately looking for someone to show up. And show up, and show up, and form my testimony. Somebody who is God-fearing, Jesus-loving, and just wants to instill the love of Christ in me. We constantly are looking for that. We actually see the same examples in the Bible. I'm not going to give you verses specifically, but I do have a bunch of examples I'd love to give you. We see the same thing happen in the Bible. Um, James. James is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. Um, we sometimes forget, right, that James is actually Jesus' little brother. And the reason I love James so much is James talks very practically on how to follow Yahweh, how to follow God, how to be a good Christian is what we might say. I hate that word because what's a good Christian? I don't know. I'm saved. That's all I care about. But James is very practical on here's what you got to do. X, Y, and Z basically love each other and show a lot of grace. Well, the beautiful thing about James and why we can have his wisdom is because Jesus was his mentor. Next time you read James, be thinking through the eyelids. This guy, James, he grew up with Jesus. He was there when Jesus was probably kicking rocks for fun. He was there when they were jumping off of houses. He was there. They were together, and together they learned and grew. So when we read James, we're not just reading some guy's opinion. Instead, we're reading the very person that walked every day with Jesus. I wish I could be James. 
We see the same thing with the disciples, right? If you know, remember the Bible, and Jesus shows up, and then he eventually calls 12 disciples. And for three years, for three years, Jesus takes the disciples under his wing because Jesus has a plan. He knows he's not going to stay. And so Jesus says, I'm going to show you guys, and you guys are going to change the world. Don't get me wrong, what Jesus did absolutely changed the world. But it wasn't his fame. That's not the stories we hear. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is those gospels that change the world every single day. I wish I could have been a disciple. I wish I could have been a disciple and walk with Jesus and have him pull me back in and say, I'm going to explain to you these heavenly things. We see it again um, later in the New Testament. There's this guy named Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And then he had Timothy. And again, we see this guy who played an important role. Timothy ends up starting churches and ends up creating this whole movement of the way. And we see Paul and Timothy have this relationship where he was there. When Paul's in jail, he was there. When Timothy is getting beaten, Paul was there. They were there for each other. And so you talk about Timothy's testimony. Paul plays an important role. What I want to ask you is, do you have somebody like that in your life? Do you have a Clayton? Do you have a Paul? Do you have a physical Jesus? We all need Jesus in our hearts and souls. But do you have someone who's maybe a couple years maybe older or wiser or maybe going through something similar but is a mature Christ follower who is willing to put you under their wing and say I got you and even when you walk away I got you and even when you make decisions I'll be there and even when you decide to walk away from the faith I'm gonna be there do you have someone in your life that does that we're all honest. I think we're desperately seeking that. Who brought you? Who brought you to where you are? The disciples can obviously say Jesus, Paul, or Timothy can obviously say Paul. I can say Clayton brought me. Who brought you? Who brought you? Who brought you? Was it your parents? Like me, I was seven years old when my, my mother prayed with me, and I accepted Jesus into my life. Was it a friend? Was it a mentor? We have a couple high school students that their therapist said, man, you should really go to Crossroads or go to church. Was it your therapist? Who brought you? Who brought you to the reason that you're sitting here today? Who brought you into faith? Who brought you into the family we call Christianity? And I think you're one of the lucky ones. The reality is, if we were to write our testimony, if we were to think about the times that I knew Jesus the most, that I felt closest to him, that for some reason I felt the tugging on my heart, most of the time, not always, most of the time, someone else is involved in my story. Most of the time, someone else is involved in my story. For me, I can always look back and say Clayton was a part of that story. Clayton was some of the reason that I follow Jesus Christ and I care about Jesus Christ and I care about other people. Who brought you? Who brought you? And I want to challenge you. 
If you're thinking now, man, yeah, you know what? I did have somebody in my life that did that. I had somebody that grabbed my hand and pulled me to it. Or um, what's really fun is sometimes we have high schoolers who are like, dude, I ask this guy every single week. And two years later, he shows up to church. Is there somebody who did that for you? And if there is, and you can think of that name or names, and there's three or four people in your list that would be a part of your testimony and say, this person played a significant role in my life. Can I just challenge you? Have you ever thanked them? Because it's likely these people are praying for you, are begging you to come to church, are asking you about Jesus, are a part of your testimony and play an important role. Have you ever thanked them? I don't know if I've done a good enough job of that. And I think tonight I'd like to give you the chance, and while we go into small groups, um, i got just two more things, but when we go into small groups, I'd like to ask, could you even just send a text right now to that person or persons and just say, hey, you might not know this, but you play a role in my testimony. You play a role in me knowing Jesus as my Savior. You play a role in me being a disciple, a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. Now flip that coin. We all should have that person. But I also believe we should all be that person. Just as Paul had Timothy under his wing, do you have someone under your wing? Maybe it's a, 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 uh, like a brother or a sister. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's someone in your schools. Maybe it's someone in this room. Maybe it's students that you work with. Maybe it's somebody that's in your household and you didn't even realize, like a roommate. Do you have someone that you're pouring into intentionally, intentionally pouring into? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we should constantly pursue him. But it doesn't stop there. We should be helping others pursue him. We should be doing it together. We should be walking together. We, we should be like Jesus was to the disciples. We should have people around us that we are also pouring into. Don't get me wrong. You cannot. You are not Jesus. You cannot just be the person who pours in. You cannot just be that person. There's too much arrogance in that. Instead, you have to have the whole line. You have to be a part of the whole river. You have to have someone who's pouring into you, who's helping build your story, your testimony. And from there, do you have someone? Do you have someone around you? Do you have people around you? Do you have a small group that you also get to pour into? Do you have a group of students that you pour into? Do you have family members that you pour into? Do you have friends? I remember I used to, in college, I had this buddy named Bill, and every Friday he would say, uh, prayer request Friday. It was like a thing. He would text me every week. We need to pour into each other. So my question I want to ask is, who brought you? First, think of who brought you. Who brought you to faith? Who brought you to where you are? Who brought you? To say you did it alone, very, we never see that in the Bible. Constantly, Jesus is using others. And then who, who could you bring? Who could you bring along for the ride? I had a youth pastor friend that um, used to say, actually, she, I'm sure she still does. She says, look, my job is to love students as well as I can. But the reality is, what I'm trying to do in my ministry is grab a ragtag group of people around me, and when I'm floating up, I'm going to grab every single hand I can. Because what we're supposed to do, once you know Jesus Christ, 
be poured into and pour out into the people around us. That, that is where our testimony is created. Our testimony may include the Claytons of the world. Our testimony may include, and now I'm walking with Matt through this life. And now together we are pursuing Jesus Christ. And now together we're finding out what it means to follow him. It is not a journey we have to take alone. It is not a journey we should take alone. Instead, we must do it together. So as we continue this testimony series and we think about what God has done in my life or the lives around us, don't forget about the other players in this game. Don't forget about the other characters. Jesus is by far the most important one. But Jesus might have put that friend, that mentor, that person in your life for a reason. As we jump to small groups, just think about that, right? So think about who brought you. Could you send them a thank you note? Whether it's a text or an email or tie something on a pigeon and send them out. Could you send them a thank you note? And then do you have, do you have somebody under you? Not to say that you're better than them. Not to say that I'm better at all. But just to say that I want to support, I want to encourage, I want to love, and I want to push. Just like Jesus did to disciples, just like Paul did to Timothy, just like Jesus did to James. Can I be a part of that? Is that a role that Jesus has me play? Let me pray and we'll break into, into small groups. Yeah. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you put important people in our lives. Help us just to recognize, to recognize who those people are and help us, help us to be that to somebody else, to be the person who's there, to be the person who's there. Teach us how to follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.